Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and you can catch up with me on Twitter at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. And if you sign up, you get weekly bonus episodes where I talk about everything else I'm watching. So you know, right now I'm talking a lot about like Severance, just wrapped up Moon Knight, you know, things like that. Things that aren't necessarily movies, but they can be. Um, and we also do interviews on there. So sometimes we've talked about Marvel shows and other th- Star Wars shows, things like that. Anyway, uh, I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons in the air, Chris Balga, Jeff Widman. And sneaking JP in here, I know I recorded this after the fact, but want to make sure you get a shout out in this episode too. Welcome JP. And Philip Barker. And also Michael Cross. So thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Um, And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate this show. It does help new listeners find us. Um, I have a returning guest today. I have Palmer from Academy Rewind. He's graced us with his presence. Say hi, Palmer. Hi, Palmer. Hello. Um, How are you doing? Doing well. Glad to have you back. Um, Me too. I'm so <laughs> glad that nobody else had the time. <laughs> Untrue. But I do want to give you a moment to introduce yourself. So if people haven't heard you on the show before, uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Hi, my name is Palmer. And as Lisa said, I uh, co-host a podcast, Academy Rewind with my friend Tim, where we look back at all the Oscar Best Picture nominees slash winners uh, from various years. So we do one year an episode, and we've kind of gone through and done it in like uh, like year chunks as far as like we did all the 19, we did all like the twos, so 92, 82, 72 as a season, and we broke it up that way mainly because we figured the older movies got the less likely people would listen, especially if they've never seen the movie. (laughs) Um, So we wanted to make the seasons kind of digestible. So uh, viewership didn't like, or listenership didn't like completely drop off, but we've actually found like there's, there's a bunch of older movies that people listen to. So that was always fun. Um, And then we also do like top 10 lists at the end of the year when we have Lisa on and the live and then the Academy recap episodes that we also have Lisa on. So she's been an indentured servant to us for quite a few years now. <laughs> Happy to be of service. Ah, <laughs> uh, but well, awesome. yeah, well, I mean, that, yeah. is, that is pretty much my life story is <laughs> just movies and making Jeff's life 
miserable. <laughs> I would challenge that, but I do really love the show <laughs> and really appreciate you guys always for having me. If people are listening and you want some really good deep dives on those years, uh, you know, covering the Oscars, please head over there and give it a listen. Uh, one of my patrons, Jeff Widman, actually joined us this year, too. <laughs> and he yes. is probably the only person besides you, I think, that sees that many movies in a year. So it's it, it was yeah, nice he, to get you all together. Yeah, he beat me pretty badly last year. I was, <laughs> I was kind of humiliated. But um, <laughs> this, year, this year I was actually looking. I think I'm already up to, like, 50 movies that have been released in 2022. Wow. Yes. Ever since I got a, ever since I got streaming and a TV at the store, it really helps when I'm just like spending time doing online orders. I'll throw on a movie while I'm, while I'm doing computer work for online orders. So, makes sense. Yeah, it it works out really well. Well, Palmer, um, you know, for for new listeners, if you're just now tuning in and you've never heard an episode before, the way this works is my guest picks a movie and we talk about it. That's literally it. Um, So, Palmer, what movie did you choose to talk about today? I chose today Interstate 60, Tales from the Road. Okay. Um, And this came out um, in 2002. Yes. Um, this was my first time seeing this movie or hearing about this movie at all, <laughs> which the more I read about, about it, I am not surprised that I hadn't heard of it before, but t- tell me, tell me your journey with this movie. Um, so as, as one does, I grew up, uh, watching the original slate of Power Rangers and because I was a youngish, impressionable child, you know, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking like on the verge of like the teen years is when, is when um, Power Rangers first came out. I was totally and completely in love with Amy Jo Johnson, who plays the Pink Ranger. So when I ran, like, I had heard about this movie was coming out. And it was only I only knew about it because she was in it. Okay. And that was the only reason like I sought it out. I was working at Blockbuster at the time. It was direct to video. So <laughs> I I watched it as soon as I was able to. Unfortunately, she's only in like thirty seconds of the movie, but it turned out to be such a like it turned out to be a really good, enjoyable movie. And then stuff that I stuff that I've found out I found out when picking up the movie is it is written and directed by one of the writers of back to the future, Bob Gale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just had a tremendous cast at the time. I knew Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, uh, and obviously Cyclops is in it. Uh, yes, and then James Marsden. And then, yep. And then over the years, like other people who have become a little bit more prominent, more famous Chris Cooper and um, Commissioner Gordon. Gary Oldman. Uh, Gary Oldman. There we go. I actually have the IMDb page up, and I still couldn't find his name. No worries. No worries. <laughs> uh, but, so it has a really, it has a decent-sized cast for a direct-to-video. It does. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, if people haven't seen the movie before, I actually watched it on Tubi. You mentioned you could also see it on the IMDb streaming service that I didn't know was a thing. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's not a streaming service per se. It's a free app. Oh, like okay. If you get a fire, like if you get a Fire Stick or, or Roku, or even if you have um, Comcast uh, internet, I believe now their boxes come with the IMDb app. Oh, but it's okay. Also I didn't realize called, that. Like, yeah, it's called like Freeview now or something dumb, but yeah. <laughs> but it was nice that it was also on Tubi because Tubi is a little bit more popular and is yeah. is also free. I've actually so. used Tubi a couple times for this show. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's come in handy before. Um, so, you know, that's where I saw it. So if you if you want to go see it first, you can, because we are going to talk spoilers. Um, but the gist of the movie is that it's about a young man that questions. He has questions about his future and takes the ultimate road trip across America and learns valuable lessons from a variety of strange characters. Um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I am going to give a couple of quick facts. I think one of which, you know, you already stole Palmer, but for, for the ones that you haven't yet, um, well, I'll recap what you said. This is, you know, despite it being an all-star cast, uh, this is, and by, and written and directed by Academy Award nominated, by the way, Bob Gale. Yep. Um, this is a direct-to-video movie, which, you know, for, for younger listeners, Direct-to-video used to be bad. <laughs> like, now it's so good. Like, if you get a Netflix deal or, you know, whatever, it's good. But back in the day, the words direct-to-video were synonymous with something not being well-received or being bad. So I was kind of, I was like, okay, this is why I have not heard of this before. Uh, what is your take on that? Like, why do you think that's uh, the case? You know, I honestly don't know. And I would say... If anything, so like around this time, this comes out in 2002. Mm-hmm. So say shooting in 2001, you have James Marsden who's just coming off of uh, the first X-Men movie in 2000. Oh, true. Gosh, it's hard um, to believe that, and then, that these two are contemporaries. I but I feel like superhero movies yeah. feel timeless in some ways to where you forget when they came out sometimes. <laughs> Definitely, because yeah. I actually, before, because like I said, I have the IMDb page open, but I wanted to make sure I checked beforehand to see what came first. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, Gary Oldman, who, you know, I remember from, from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, yeah. But I don't know if he was as big of a commodity as he is now. I don't you think know, so. Certainly. I mean, certainly like the Harry Potter films and all the Oscars he's been nominated for, et cetera. You know, things have changed for him, right, I think, right. since then. Right. Yeah. Our, after, our after the fact. So you don't have a lot of star power. Like even Amy, Amy Smart, who's in this movie, um, she's like at the start of her kind of her being in a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in this in this era. So I think it was just a mainly convergence of maybe the studio wasn't too too keen on a cast of really good character actors, but mostly unknowns at the time, aside from, say, like, Christopher Lloyd, who's not in that much of it. Yeah. Like, a lot of the good actors, actors and actresses aren't really in it for that long, but it's not that bad. Like, it's a, it's a very episodic-type movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this film marks the first time Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox have been in the same movie since Back to the Future Part 3 in 1990. Yes. Um, they very much felt like... 
Like, it didn't surprise me when I found out, you know, that Bob Gale was involved. In fact, I feel like the vibe of this movie... Well, I'll say that in a second. Let me let me come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael J. Fox's cameo in this, I feel like you can really... I think you can see what, that he's struggling a little bit. Do you feel that way? Like, I think... Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and what I'm talking about is Parkinson's, I, which actually my grandmother on my mother's side had Parkinson's. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah. Um, and I think this this might have been right around the time he like came out about it. Yeah, that could be. Because I, I remember he was on that show, Just Shoot Me. Is that what the show's called? I can't remember what yes. it is. Yeah. Uh, no, or go no, ahead. Um, Just Shoot Me was another one. You're thinking of Spin City. Spin City. That's you're right. Yep. And I remember when the news came out that he had Parkinson's, it was shocking. Like I didn't you couldn't tell, you didn't know. And he said that he had been, you know, sort of dealing with and hiding it for a long time. And uh I think it's just been incredible the career that he's gone on to have and how involved he's still able to be and like it just goes to show like, you know, how many I guess how how far we've come with that disease, really. Um, right. and it's really amazing, but I feel like around this time, I think is, I think you could tell that he was struggling more. Um, and you can see it a little bit in the performance, but yeah, and it's, that's, go that's ahead. why like he came out about it because oh, it, was, I see. Like, it was good. I mean, obviously yeah. it's great that he do- did, but I think he did it because it was getting tougher and tougher to hide. Yeah. And this movie actually comes out, um, it actually comes out after it seems to be after his uh, role on Spin City. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, you left, know, I hate to focus on it through. too much. Like, yeah. but I just also wanted to say something, and especially since I have somewhat of a personal connection with it too. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I didn't, but, I didn't put together that him and Christopher Lloyd were in it until a little bit later. I was like, oh yeah, they're both in this movie. <laughs> I, I really wish that they would have had a couple scenes together, or at least one scene together. Yeah, yeah, because this is really, truly more of a cameo um, that he has yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so you know, to kind of transition into talking about the movie a little bit more. Uh, Bob Gale. This is his directorial debut, and as uh, debut, and, and as far as I can tell, really the only movie that he directed. Uh, did a lot of video <laughs> games, and maybe because this wasn't as well received, that's why he didn't do more. But um, you know that this is his only one after being, you know, Robert Zemeckis' associate for for so long. Yeah, I and I for some reason I didn't realize he was he was his um, executive for so long, or he worked with Robin Zemeckis aside from like doing the doing the screenplay and stories for the Back to the Future series like I didn't realize he had an ongoing thing with Robin Zemeckis well maybe the ongoing thing was during those movies only I don't know um but um I guess around this time it would be like oh they've worked together on three movies for years you know what I mean but yeah yeah I noticed like in his credits it's predominantly around stuff around back to the future like even as recently as like that little short that they did for a commercial yeah. like he still had a hand in that um he did a lot of video games and then he worked a little bit on tales from the crypt and i feel like this movie is sort of the vibe is very back to the future tales from the crypt ish so i wasn't surprised yeah by that. like i i would not be like i wish somebody would approach him to like maybe think about doing like a tv series 
Yes, this felt like a TV series vibe a little bit. Like, again, like in a different era, direct-to-video wouldn't be as bad. It's just like there's no real middle ground, especially in the early 2000s for something other than TV or movies. And TV didn't have the same respect. You know, back in the day, it's like if, if that would be like a downgrade, whereas now it's like a lateral move almost or even sometimes up for some actors. Um, so it's, right. you know, it's just such a different world. Yeah, but you're right. It is very like, it is very wraparound story and episodic, much in the vein of like some of the, some of the 80s, 90s horrors, like um, Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt had a couple movies. Creep show. Uh, yeah. Yes, that was the one I was trying to think of. I was like, there's one that I really like, and it wasn't <laughs> Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> Uh, creep show and even to a lesser extent say um say uh twilight zone right 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 yeah and and this and what we're talking about is if you haven't seen the movie basically um you know it's about james marsden he um well it's not about him it's about his character but he um you know is a struggling artist and um his father is very rich you know and boohoo he doesn't want to be rich (laughs) and follow in his father's footsteps (laughs) so he um you know he has this experience where it's sort of like a wishes kind of thing where he ends up like going across country to deliver a package on a highway that he thought didn't exist but does and it's sort of like a lot of little stories within a story he meets different characters and they've got every different segment of the movie has different like a moral dilemma that he has to face and then it kind of wraps up in the end so that feels a little bit like tales from the crypt or twilight zone where there's you know typically like a strange occurrence a little bit of supernatural and then also like a little bit of a, a moral to it yeah and we don't get a full picture of what's really going on till the end there's like a twist again kind of like the twilight zone yeah, I, I I liken this a lot to like a comedic version of the Twilight Zone, just because even like a few of the stories have like that have that like Twilight Zone. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, vibe. monkey's paw kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and I mean the guy uses a a monkey shaped uh, pipe, so it kind of it kind of the analogy works out well. Very true. Well. Yeah. Um, We've kind of talked about the cast a little bit. We've talked about the director. Do you want to pick some favorite scenes that you wanted to to talk about in the movie? So I think um, out of all like the very like say little side stories we got going on, my favorite is Chris Cooper and his his whole thing. So he picks him up. He need you know he needs money while he's on this journey to deliver the package because he's not getting paid till the end Mm. so he you know he needs to keep getting money and one of the ways he does it is he comes across a guy holding a sign that essentially is looking for an employee like he wants a ride to a certain town he's willing to pay so much money for every hour and so much money per mile and it's uh and it's chris cooper and we find out, like, he used to work as an ad agent, mm-hmm. and he really hates anybody that lies, pretty much hates anyone that lies. Or, <laughs> yeah, because, I guess the joke being, you know, that advertisers are liars, kind of. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, each, as you said, like, each story has, like, that certain kind of, like, glimpse into the world at the time. 
this took on like lying and advertising and he is dying of cancer and so and like he even says like you know i like cigarettes because they say they cause cancer and they do (laughs) yeah which is a which is an odd statement but like that shows like what he's like but well remember at the beginning of the movie his his girlfriend smokes a cigarette like it's no big deal like that that feels like a time capsule thing right where it's like people casually smoking uh in the movie is interesting because that's not a thing anymore i agree with you i think it was weed Oh, you're right. Yeah. And <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah, like I on like you're right in your in that it feels very time capsule of someone like having a cigarette just randomly. But I like when I was watching it this time around, I was like, Oh, that that looks more like a joint than a cigarette. Okay, you're probably right. Wow, I feel like such a dweeb now. <laughs> <laughs> but he also doesn't smoke that, so that's good. Yeah, later um, in the movie they're kind of there's some moral judgments about drugs. So, you know, the, the movie's definitely not pro that. Yeah. It, and it's like, and it's weird for the time frame that it comes out too. Yeah. It, it seems like Bob weird. Gale never like went past the eighties. Like he was like, <laughs> he, was, he was like war against drugs. No, this is bad. We're going to, we're going to do a story about that. But Chris right. Cooper hates liars. And essentially he straps himself to some dynamite since he is dying of cancer and is willing to take out anybody that lies. Yes. <laughs> um, so at the time when I saw this, I didn't know Chris Cooper. I didn't know who he was. Uh, you know, I've grown to know him after the fact because he's won awards and has been in higher profile movies. But this was like my first real, my first real glimpse into him. And he just does it such a terrific job as playing this, this for lack of a better term, nutball so casually. Yeah, yeah. He's got nothing to lose, so he's, like, very <laughs> confident in his decisions. <laughs> and, you know, and I like the moral of, you know, say what you mean, mean what you, mean what you say. Yeah. You shouldn't lie, which is, which is absolutely true. Uh, I do like the fact, like, he's one of the few characters we see come back. Yes. In yeah. a later segment. Um so his his segment is what I really liked, and really, I I still can't figure out why that one guy hated apples so much. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, the other one that I really liked is the uh, one performance I act- I absolutely love in this movie is Kurt Russell. Yes, when I saw him, I was very surprised. I was like, wow, they really did put a lot of actors in here. <laughs> and, I, you know, look, Kurt Russell, I grew up in the 80s, the thing, Big Trouble in Little China. He mm-hmm. He's made a name for himself, and he's carved out a niche for himself. Yes. But I always feel like when I'm watching Kurt Russell, like I look, I see and hear Kurt Russell. And in this, I don't hear the Kurt Russellness in his voice as much. Hmm. Maybe he didn't want to overshadow the project. Which is true. And I know um, since, you've, since you've read through the trivia, my favorite bit of trivia is him when he was doing like the Big Trouble in Little China DVD commentary after he did this movie. He joked about how this movie was the most he said in a movie since Big Trouble in Little China. That's and funny. He's only, in, 
And he's only in like five minutes of the movie. He is very talkative in the in his yeah. scenes. Yeah. Uh, those those two, I think, are my favorite kind of snippets. Um, yeah, and Kurt Russell just does such a terrific job as as the sheriff. He's got his ponytail. <laughs> this, you know, this is back when he was still rocking his ponytail. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Did you have a favorite snippet? Well, I had some thoughts um or okay. some things that i wanted to talk about for sure like um i noticed the part where uh he goes to the town full of lawyers right okay yep. okay <laughs> i wanted to point out that you know there's a joke there's a running joke in that scene about how like they all sue each other and um you know later it leads it escalates into uh the character returning uh, uh, the bomb guy coming back and, uh, you know, threatening everybody at the courthouse and making the judge sign off on, you know, not um, doing this to newcomers that come into this town because they get trapped in litigation. And I feel like around this time, uh, when did the movie Liar Liar come out? It, that was in the 90s, wasn't it? Or early 2000s? Liar Liar. That was 1997. Right, yeah. yeah. So, yep. fun fact, again, for people that might be a little younger than us, in the 90s and early 2000s, um, it was like a common joke, a common punchline on late night TV and pretty much everywhere that, you know, suing each other had gotten out of control, that like there were all these lawsuits and that they were frivolous. That was the, the heavily, you know, uh, circulated thought at the time, which fun fact was not actually true, but rather oh. that... Um, you know, like, let's take, for instance, the lady that sued McDonald's because she, you, you guys probably have heard about this story where a woman, you know, got burned by coffee and sued McDonald's. Now, when that story broke, all over TV, everyone was making fun of her, saying, you know, oh, people are suing people for all kinds of stuff these days. And then it wasn't until years later that we really got a clear picture that that woman was actually, like, horrifically burned. Um, she was like an older lady, I believe, that was burned really bad by the coffee, like as in had to seek medical attention. And then she tried to, you know, just get her medical bills paid, not even tried to get a payout, literally just tried to get them covered. And at the time, McDonald's response was to do what a lot of big corporations did at the time, which was to sort of go on a character assassination attempt instead of um, deal with the actual issue. So... Uh, a lot of the the things that we thought of as like frivolous, you know, suits, if you actually look into them, were more likely people going up against big corporations and losing. Um, but that's not because what they were suing for didn't have real weight. It was because, you know, they would actually put out false information about people to try to make them right. look bad, you know. And this is something like in hindsight that we're like, oh, that was terrible. And like now we know that and da da da. But back when this movie came out, it was pretty well understood that, you know, suing each other was like an epidemic and that like everyone was engaged yeah. in suing. So that's why this would have been funny to people. And that's why that segment would have worked back then. But now you're like, I just imagine younger people would be like, I don't really get this part. And, you know, without knowing yeah. that about that time period, they might not know that. This was also around the time of, of in my memory, like lots of what is referred to as ambulance chasers doing commercials that's true too that's another good point is it it it's like the rise of 
of lawyers that have TV segments that are specifically only asking about accidents. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like, did you slip on an aisleway somewhere? Well, <laughs> yeah. you deserve money. <laughs> like, right. And, right. and, you know, and it's not to say like some of these lawsuits, you're right, might have, might have like legitimate basis, but the, when you, see a lawyer kind of like pitching on tv it just comes off like less legitimate yeah <laughs> a, yeah it feels a little scummy like yeah and i think you know in general lawyers haven't always been viewed favorably so it's they're they're kind of an easy target yeah. also in movies you know <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so that you know like we said like each little thing kind of talks like something that's going on at the time right the right right drugs the rise of litigations uh, so yeah, no, that was a good that was a good catch. Uh, I I find that I find that a, that that story pretty fu- like one of the funnier segments. Yeah, yeah, it's like funny and silly. It's not super serious, right? Uh, and it also kind of kicks. It kind of like brings along the the sub A plot, which is him falling in love with this girl that he's never met. Hmm who is also uh, in the town in in jail. Yes, yes. Yeah, and like, um, you know, towards the end, you find out that all these different segments were really tests from her, I guess, right? Like tests because she wanted the perfect guy, so everything he was going through was kind of like a test to get to the end. You know, was he honest? Was he good? Right, yeah. Yeah, so she like so. The wraparound-ish story of how he gets to where he's going is he makes a wish, and at the start of the movie we're told about this, how America doesn't have any sort of uh, like genie or leprechauns, and someone says, "Oh yeah, we do." You know, there's this guy called O. W. Grant, one wish, and he grants one wish to a customer. Sometimes he's sometimes he'll be nice and plays it straight. Most of the time, it's a monkey's paw situation, mm-hmm. and so he wishes to kind of find out his answer in life. And she had also met this guy, and her wish was to meet Mister Wright. Right. And so her her monkey paw thing was she had to spend a year in jail to wait for him to get there and pass <laughs> these tests that were kind of set up to to get to get to her. And then when she gets out or he lets her out, she has her own test. So maybe that's a thing oh, she did. Oh God! Yeah, her her uh, her slang was that was a little cringy. I, I, I won't f- lie. <laughs> when I first watched not very it, convincing. Yeah, when she, when I first watched it, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And I'm I'm so glad that's reflected in his kind of in his reaction. Yeah, which true. is what she was hoping for. Like, she was hoping that someone would be like, what, why? And not just like, oh, you know, that's cute. That's very original. <laughs> yeah, she's she kind of acts, um, I guess, uncouth. I don't know how else to say it. Um, so that to see if he's the kind of guy that would be honest about liking her personality, I guess. And so right. yeah. when he doesn't like it, because that seems like a theme in the movie too. Like there's that scene with the girl played by your crush. Um, that's yeah. plays a horned up lady that 
that is looking uh, I mean, for... horned up is the nice way to say that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, at first I was like, where is this going? Like, she was just, like, <laughs> saying that, you know, she's having sex with all these men and going on this road trip having sex with all these dudes. And I guess... So the... she's looking for the perfect for the perfect sexual partner. The perfect fuck, as she says. <laughs> Um, and I, he's, I wasn't going to swear. <laughs> and then he's very turned off by this concept, which I know they're kind of setting it up this idea that, like, I guess, like, no man has turned her down except him. But I feel like a lot of people would not like the way she's coming across in the scene. <laughs> um, either way. And also, I, I, you know, on one level, I was like, oh, are they saying in this movie that, like, women can't have multiple partners or something? Like, I was confused at first, but I feel like it's more like... Well, she doesn't seem to take consent into account almost because she like doesn't really ask for his consent. She just kind of right. gets upset that he doesn't want to have sex with her and how dare he not want to do that. And he's like, yuck. Um, and then there's also that bizarre thing going on with Gary Oldman. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like, I guess the idea is that, you know, he wants his time with someone to be special. Um not to say that he has no experience, he just is looking for a relationship in general and not a random lady but that he picks up on in. the side of the street. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but but not the one he's in, which is uh, which is a weird thing. But yeah. uh, you're right. Like, <laughs> uh, like uh, yeah, you could... I think she I think she plays it and it's done very well that it you're right. It doesn't come across as like being shameful on sex positive people. And as much as it's more about like she is just really forward and doesn't like doesn't really listen or take the the signs if someone's not interested into account. Yeah, and she says that you know everyone's because interested. She's very it's safe. Like, in no. This. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, that's true. She carries protection, you know, which is good. Yep. Um, but you're right. Like, and you get like you get the sense of she is as a person when he's like has anyone turned you down she's like well not unless they were gay like yeah which just shows like would have been okay to say i guess in 2002 but also yeah it just shows that she's kind of like shitty (laughs) right so and so i you know young me was kind of sad about that i'm like oh she's not like a good person in (laughs) (laughs) they're like oh no she's bad (laughs) yeah but wow, her chunky shoes, I was like, man, that is such a throwback, which oh. is probably popular again now, actually, her shoes and her whole outfit. Her uh, her outfit, like the, that starry skirt thing, yeah. I don't know what that was, but it's on the cover of the poster. I noticed the... that. That's probably why you thought she would be in the movie more. Yeah, like, what the heck? Uh, but you're right. So, yeah, so that's, you know, it's another test. And he passes. Yeah, he, he passes. turned the hot lady down, and he, you he know, did. <laughs> which is more than I can say for what most people would have done. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know that, and then he helps the mother uh, with the son that went to druggy town, <laughs> that went to a rave, another relic of the that past. Ah. Is... <laughs> uh rave back from the before times <laughs> yeah um but yeah she, he uh you know that happens um so it, it's a lot of like knight's journey kind of stuff you know like yeah you know he's doing chivalrous acts i guess 
<laughs> you know, the more I think about it, this movie, while it doesn't age horribly, is definitely like you watch this and you're like, yeah, this is like a certain time frame. It really is. Just just those scenarios like wouldn't really be happen the same way. Yeah. yeah. No one's picking up hitchhikers anymore. Uh, no, never. <laughs> I think people were. I think like that was the start of like the downturn of hitchhikers, but now completely not. Like yeah, he picks up like four people on <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, like no big deal. But it it also was. It feels like around the time of like when I made that joke earlier about how like, you know, oh, blow is him. Cause he has like a very privileged life that he's turning down to pursue art, which all power to him. Like you should definitely pursue your dreams over what's being forced on you. But I think in today's sort of economic world, we're kind of like, I don't know. It seems like a pretty sweet deal. Like he's got like, you know, he gets to go to a great school. His father gets him a complete foot in the door, gives him a brand new car. Like it's hard to, to even a buy lawyer. a car right now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So different but time. He, you know, it, yeah. And it's, you're right. It's weird. Cause like the father buys him a car, but it's like the kind of car his father would want. Yeah. The so. color and everything. Like he literally doesn't listen to his son at all. So, I mean, I, I understand that right. part. And I would imagine, so like, so like you were saying about him, like kind of turning down his privileged lifestyle. So he applies for a scholarship at an art school that he doesn't get. We assume, like, he never actually opens the letter. He's just like, I can tell a rejection by weight. And his girlfriend is like, oh, poor you. You're the wrong, you know, you're the wrong sex of the wrong color, born into a rich family. Yeah, that was, that doesn't age well. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what the message is supposed to be here, but I know I don't like you. Yeah, yeah, she, uh, that that wasn't the right thing to say. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. And she also kind of doesn't, doesn't listen to him. Like, no. Yeah, she, like, like he, she, she gets him a t-shirt of his favorite color, but it's a very, it's a very, like, weird relationship in my eyes i agree it seems very tense like not maybe she doesn't pick up on it but he's at least subconsciously putting out vibes of like this isn't working out like first of all his dream girl that he keeps painting looks nothing like her so that should be a hint right there um <laughs> that uh blondish hair yeah i guess so <laughs> i don't know you're right like yeah um but also like she um I yeah, the dinner scene in particular where they're all kind of like talking over him and not really listening to him and talking about his future, that that part felt pretty obvious that he wasn't Yeah, cuz she, she's like kind of You're right, they both have blonde hair it, it, though. I forgot that. I thought for some yeah. reason in my memory she had brown hair, but yeah, that makes sense. Um but yeah, she's kind of like she's not like overtly pushing him but she is definitely trying to un unapologetically nudge him in the direction that his father is trying to have him go yes yes and it's weird because it like she does it in a way that they they do it well enough in a way that she's not coming off like a gold digger like oh i want no, you to do no. this so we could be rich and be happy but this might actually be one of those like other kind of stereotypes from around that time like she, like when you talk 
when you talk about, say, um, a student going to college for psychology, like she is very overanalyzing everything he says and does. And it's always like that stereotypical thing with like the person who took one psychology course in college <laughs> who now thinks they're a psychiatrist. Yes. And also I think it, it so. reflects like their strata, I guess, that he and she are in maybe too. Like this is the, the way their life is supposed to go because of the, the you know, the the place in life that they have. And he just isn't really... He doesn't feel like he fits into that. It doesn't really see it the same way. And like his friend even is kind of like, you know, agreeing with him. And then she's like, oh, no, he's being mature by doing this. And like kind of pushing that idea that like maturity equals doing exactly what his dad wants. Right. Um, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Literally the only person in his life that was good is his sister, Nancy. And he says that. <laughs> Yep, he's like, she was put on this earth to make sure I didn't go insane. Which, uh, we kind of, like, one of the other... It's weird to say, like, how many, like, subplots this movie has, but, <laughs> like, there, like, this one was more of a MacGuffin of, like, supposedly there's this killer on the loose. Oh, yeah, yeah. That you never, like, we never find out the identity of the killer because he dies technically on screen. But, um, it you know, maybe it was him in a different reality because that's sort of like that's sort of like the Twilight Zone ishness mm -hmm. of this interstate because it doesn't really exist. Like realities can kind of converge. Yeah. So it it might have been him. It might not have been him. We just know it was a person driving like the the same exact car that he had. Yes. So. So yeah, like his sister is is like the only person that kind of listens to him and she's like she gets him paintbrushes because he's an artist and that's what something he would really like and he you know he's really touched by it um and it's making me think of yet another like uber time capsule thing of when so he gets hit on the head with a bucket of paint oh yeah and the dad is like checking on him he's like someone call 911 and all three, his sister, mother, and girlfriend, all pick out, like, 90s-era Nokia phones. <laughs> True. 90s-era, like, cell phones and start dialing 911. It's like, ha-ha, look at that. Like, cell phones, such a, such a crazy invention. And it's like, wow, you know, I remember, like, watching this movie back then and like, oh, yeah, that looks weird. And now it's just commonplace yeah you're like i don't get it wouldn't everyone call 911? <laughs> like it's not the same yeah it's like i don't i don't get this reference um although i will the one thing that people might not remember is car phones for sure my dad had a car phone my brother had one and i don't think i've ever figured out exactly how you got it off the hook <laughs> but <laughs> his had a cord but, but yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so so yeah, like <laughs> definitely watching this movie is like watching just watching like an era of time that has gone by. For sure. And shortly after, well, when he's in the hospital, that's when we meet Christopher Lloyd, his doctor. Um yeah. and <laughs> he does this like magic trick which is sort of foreshadowing the rest of the movie where he, you know, kind of says not everything is what it 
is always what it seems. Yes. Um, so they're giving him a perception test and he's got, you know, he's having him look at card, uh, playing cards. Yes. And he's like, you know, you, you tell the suit and he's going based off of color. And we find out, like, the deck is fixed, so, like, the hearts are black, and the spades are black, and the diamonds are, you know, or the spades are red, and the diamonds are black. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you watch the scene closely enough, when there's three times we see, like, the cards being shown, the very beginning, then it goes to, like, a tight close-up of them talking, then the middle, and, like, two things in the middle, and then the end. And if you watch the scene in the middle, you can actually see the different shapes and cards. So, like they were, they were actually using those cards that you see. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's one. Of, I think it's also one of those like you don't, you wouldn't notice it until you watch the scene to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Because when I when I watched it again, like my eye automatically picked up on that. Oh, I'm like, gotcha. oh yeah, look, you can you can see it a couple of the times, but at the very beginning it's the same it's the same basic shapes and I think at the end is the same shapes. Mm. It's just a couple in the middle to kind of to kind of like throw you off there. Interesting. No, I had not noticed that. Uh Christopher Lloyd's outfit, very eccentric in this uh or eclectic rather. Yeah. It, you know, he's got he's got really weird patterns on his shirt, uh red suspenders. He's very Christopher Lloyd, and <laughs> yes, it almost he almost reminds me a little bit of Doc Brown in this. Yeah, I so could definitely see that performances, and I think that might also be be because of the writer. Right, right. Like, I agree. You know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say like Michael J. Fox's character reminded me of Marty McFly. No, no, it was just real quick. But, yeah, yeah. But I think he has enough time with the Christopher Lloyd character that he can he can come across a little bit more as as Doc as Emmett Brown. Uh, so and then that might have been like on both of their parts. Like Christopher Lloyd knows this guy's writing and what he liked about his performance in Back to the Future. Say, and Bob Gale is like, well, I wrote this character for Christopher Lloyd before, so I'll kind of use some parts of that characteristic in this as well yeah i agree it sort of reminds you of it but isn't exactly that character right because there's no actual um there's no actual time travel although <laughs> That's true. what was it there was a when he shows up at the club i think at the end the clock is the clock on the wall says like 1006 which is the date from back to the future Oh, okay. Did not notice that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple, like, uh, Back to the Future things that are hidden there. Makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, I, I agree. I, there's callbacks and there's, like, little Easter eggs, but it's not exactly that. But it, it definitely reminds you enough of it to where when you read that fact, you're like, okay, that makes sense that this guy is involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's got the very feeling it's it's got the same feel to me like the, yeah i agree the music is is reminiscent like it does play a little bit of a sting 
when Neil sees the car that his father bought him for the first time, mm-hmm. we get the same kind of music sting from when Marty sees the Jeep or the truck in the in the uh, garage for the first oh, time. Oh, good point. Yeah. So so we get those little callbacks, which is nice, but it's and you're right, it's not overt enough that it takes over the movie. Right. And there's like little I, I mean, I guess like there's through lines with the character that aren't the same as Marty McFly, but like he's got his own like I guess Marsden's character has his own like quirks and things that he does that he's consistent, like that eight ball thing. Um yeah. in the beginning he's using like a a computer or sorry, an uh a website to help him make decisions, which he's very indecisive. And by the end of the movie, he's making a huge decision. You know, that's his kind of character arc. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I really wish I would have gone like when I first watched this movie that I would have logged on to America online, waited the two minutes for the dial up and then (laughs) gone to see if this was an actual website. Yeah. That would have been good promo for the movie, but who knows? (laughs) Uh, America Online. Oh, jeez. I do not miss the days of of dial-up. I do not either. I remember how long it it took to download things, and yeah, it wasn't a good time, y'all. It was not a good time. Download things, and then you had to pay, like... You were paying for, like, only X amount of minutes. It was like a prepaid calling card, almost. Yeah, and, and talking on the cell phone, too, was really expensive like you had to pay by minute and pay for text messages it's stupid <laughs> glad we're past that yeah yeah i it was funny like i remember when it when i first got a cell phone they had just started coming out with like um text all you want plans nice <laughs> and then there was a and then there was a small period of time where in between that and now where like the text all you want plans went away a little bit mm-hmm. but it was like oh if you're texting a person with the same service as you it's oh, free God. or certain hours even I think was a thing uh, yeah no it was uh, nights look, and weekends look y'all. so dumb oh yep nights and weekends starting at 7 o'clock <laughs> it's so stupid it was so frustrating <laughs> And you're like, well, I have unlimited calls, but I don't have unlimited texts or vice versa. It was just yep. annoying. But yeah, yeah. All the things that we take for granted now. <laughs> now we're talking Dating too much. was so much harder. Like you couldn't call the person <laughs> until seven o'clock, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you do, you're cheap, I guess, probably by their yeah. estimation. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It is a time capsule in that way. Also, I feel like Gary Oldman's outfit is vaguely Pee Wee Herman-esque. I don't know if that was intentional or... <laughs> Kind of I mean, reminds me of right down bit. to the bike, too. Like, he would yeah, first meet him true. riding a bike. I will say he is the only person in the world that uses, like, the hand signals while on a bike. <laughs> well, you <laughs> should do that. But, yeah, that's true that, like, people don't seem to. Um, right. Yeah, I, I was fine with his character. I will say the part where he reveals that his junk was chopped off in some sort of accident... I found that disturbing. <laughs> I know it was meant to be I mean, funny, but it freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Let I will agree with you, but <laughs> let's all be happy that this movie comes out in 2002. 
because nowadays you would have seen it. This is true, and I did not want to. And also, I feel I couldn't. It was like until he kept it going, I was like, "Is this more just like a funny, like, haha? I'm a little leprechaun trick thing I'm playing on you, or, or is that for real?" But then, no, they make it a sticking point, and I'm like, "That's a weird choice <laughs> for that character. I don't think it needed that." <laughs> but but it is what it is. We got the movie that we got, and so that's a thing. Um, Mr. Gale, when you wrote this... Yeah, that's the only why? thing that I would maybe consider taking out. Um, but but uh, other than that, I thought he did a good job at the character, and I, I understood his... you know, And, and also, aren't he and uh, Christopher Lloyd's character cousins at the end of the movie? They're related? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, he's like, oh, I was with you the whole time, and you were supposed to deliver the package. In, as the trivia points out, what was the city called? It sounds like a real Colorado Danvers? city, Danvers. But it's supposed to be. It sounds like Denver's, but it's not. It's Danvers, which isn't a real place. Um, uh, is it? It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a there's a place in Massachusetts called Danvers. Oh, but not in. Isn't it Colorado? In the yeah, movie, it's oh, okay, to, okay. yeah, he thinks it's a he, they misspelled Denver, Colorado. Oh, okay, okay. I was and, like, oh god, what, sounding dumb twice in one episode. <laughs> Good lord. No, <laughs> um, and then, and then Christopher Lloyd's like, I didn't misspell the name of that town. It's there on, on inter, on Interstate sixty, which is kind of like the whole shtick. Like, yeah, all these towns supposedly don't exist. Right. And then at the end, too, like, it's kind of like a Jacob's Ladder scenario, right? Where he, like, wakes up. And so it kind of could have not happened sort of thing. I've never seen Jacob's Ladder. Oh, no. Big spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I I did actually already know that. Okay, good. But I, I've also never seen Jacob's Ladder. Okay. I was like, damn. <laughs> That sucks for you. Um, but yeah, no, okay, so good. So you know I mean, the concept. Yeah, it's kind of like Rosebud in the slit. No. <laughs> We're just yeah. gonna hit all of the just gonna yeah. hit all of the spoilers all the this episode. But but yeah, like he another way to interpret it is like it was all his dream, but then kinda not. Like it kinda leaves it. Right, because open. yeah, because then we see Amy Smart's character shows up at the end and she has the same name, but you know, is she, you know, she's obviously Maybe not the same person. Maybe she also was unconscious. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be probably too much. She could have been. But yeah, she you wants know, to hire him to like paint diners or, I'm sorry, motels. Right? Motels, diners, yeah. Like yeah. roadside attractions. Roadside attractions, which is another time capsule doesn't really exist as much anymore. <laughs> roadside attractions, you are correct. Like there's it's still actually... a thing, but like, you know... There's a lot of major roadside attractions that they're just not like you don't hit them as often anymore on road trips as you used to. Like, right? Like yeah. you used to, you know, when you were on a, when you were on a car trip with, with the with the family, you would always stop off to see the giant ball of yarn. Yeah, and it's like, well, with the way that uh, airline prices are right now, you might consider doing that this summer, but <laughs> not done as often. Yeah. And you know what actually, speaking of that, what it makes me think of is, speaking of like time capsule stuff, is the same year this movie comes out, Kevin Smith is actually doing a recurring segment on one of the late shows about roadside attractions. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what late shows, what late show it was, 
but he used to show up every so often and would would talk about you know he would go to a roadside place and do a little uh, film a little segment there talking about it and making jokes ah cool well you know not to uh be on his dad's side but i will say that you know this character his ending being that he's going to paint roadside attractions that doesn't sound super lucrative but i don't know i don't know much about that they're willing to pay him true true more than you know he won't be a starving artist (laughs) yeah i would also assume that means they're paying him to go to these places like he's not yeah maybe that's what he wants to do he just wants to drive around and paint which honestly doesn't sound that bad it really doesn't like my my whole thing in life is i would rather make a little bit you know as long as i can survive and and be comfortable i would rather make less doing something that i really like to do rather than something i hate to do i commend you on that and you are living the dream on that front for sure this is true, because I, <laughs> I own a comic book store, so yes. <laughs> there are definitely more lucrative things I could be doing, but this is doing it just enough that I can continue doing it. But that's really cool. I mean, I don't want to minimize that. You know, following your passion is... I, right. I, I haven't chosen to to do that for a career, but um, but I admire that, so... I, maybe I don't have the like, faith in myself, but that you do. But um, <laughs> but uh, but I I'm glad that people do that, and I think it's a a good thing to do. So I don't want to minimize that. It really is because just like not not like waking up and dreading going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, not a lot of people can, can just, say that. And he probably yeah. would have if he was a lawyer. I don't know. I'll ask my mom. But <laughs> <laughs> mom, when you wake up in the morning, <laughs> do you, you dread hate that? Yourself? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't think so. Um, she likes it, but not everyone does. So <laughs> exactly, if, you know, people can like other stuff. It's fine. Yeah, it's all good. Um, and he's got that cushion. He's got you know. He's got a cushion with his dad. His dad can fund his art projects, so he's got he's got something to fall back on too. So that's I good. mean, his dad's paying thirty thousand dollars for a bunch of spots. Yeah. So clearly, his dad is willing to finance the arts. Just apparently, not his son's arts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, are there any uh, scenes that we miss that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted see. to go over? Uh, Anne Margaret is randomly in this. Oh. And she's the one who plays, she plays a woman whose husband has since passed on. And they opened up a place called the, the Museum of Art Fraud. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, I remember and, that part. Yeah, and the gimmick is like all these, all these famous paintings are replicated there and they try and sell them, but they're really the real paintings, and it's more of a commentary on, like, art snobs mm-hmm. being like, oh, you only like this these famous paintings because they're well-known and they're famous and they're all dead. Mm-hmm. But if these people were alive now, it would be just like it was when they were alive then, which no one would kind of pay attention to them. Yeah, it's like you don't actually appreciate the art itself, more just the notoriety around it. Notoriety. Right, or, the, or the or the value of it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Anne Margaret from, I want to say, she was in the Grumpy Old Men series, right? Man, you said Anne Margaret, and I was like, I have heard the name, but I couldn't <gasps> call to mind. Don't who you're know who Anne Margaret is? How dare I? 
<laughs> won like seven Academy Awards. Really? I think. Prob no, oh, probably not. Okay. I'm like, well, you could tell me anything today. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, she was in Grumpy Old Men. Oh, okay. Also okay. In I know Bye I Bye saw Bird. those movies, but it's been it's been a minute. I mean, it probably has been for a lot of people. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's like she was, you know, she was in she was in a lot of stuff in the in the '60s and '70s. So that was like that was her kind of time frame. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And earlier when you asked me for a specific favorite scene, I would say any scene with Christopher Lloyd in it because I love him. <laughs> He's just, yeah, I really wish he would have had a little bit longer of a scene. Like, yeah. But. He's only got like two scenes, really. Yeah, he really, he really does, which is, which is kind of unfortunate. But um, I think, I think uh, Gary Oldman kind of picks up his slack and kind of works off. Yeah. The tone that he sets pretty well. Mm -hmm. I agree. They definitely seem well, related. They're characters. Yeah. It would be interesting to see an alternate version of this movie with them kind of switched. I like, was about if... to say that. I wonder what it would have been like <laughs> to have um, the OW character be Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Although I can't imagine Christopher Lloyd doing that, doing that scene with the junk. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does feel a little edgier in general, um, and and more up uh, Gary Oldman's alley. Yep, Gary Oldman. <laughs> if you need him to play Winston Churchill, or I wonder how you feel about, about us saying that about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a character whose junk was chopped off—that's something you would be good at. That's not what I meant, but you know what I meant. <laughs> my, my goal in life now is just to to track down everyone associated with this movie who's gone on to like bigger things and just talk to them about this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like Gary Oldman shows up at a convention one day and be like, would you like to talk to me about Batman? No. Remember when you played O.W. Grant in Interstate 60? Sign this picture of O.W. Grant instead <laughs> of Commissioner Gordon. I, <laughs> sign this poster for me, please. <laughs> Where did you even I get actually that want that now, though. I don't know. <laughs> I think out of all of them, like, Christopher Lloyd would be, like, the one be like, I want to talk about this. I, yeah, I feel like he's probably got something to say about it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. And he might be the only one that I might be able to track down at a convention. I know he's done conventions before. Oh yeah, I have a picture hugging him. <laughs> so, I at a convention or you just randomly yes. like saw him on the street. I wish it were randomly on the street. Although I think <laughs> I probably wouldn't have approached him. I'm not the kind of person that does that. Although my right. dad is. I think I've told that story on here before that my dad saw him one time in Santa Barbara and. Um, he was like, look, it's Christopher Lloyd. And I thought he was lying because um, this was way after Back to the Future had come out. I was probably around 12. And in 1985, I was like two. So this was like, you know, a decade later. Um, but I, I, I was like, what are the odds that he would literally see Christopher Lloyd right around the time that I'm watching those movies and like obsessed with them? But he really was there. And he said, go up and talk to him. And I was like... I can't explain it. I was filled with fear and I oh, yeah. ran and hid instead of face him. And my dad went and talked to him for a while. And my aunt creepily used her handheld, you know, ca uh, 
camera and was recording this interaction. So that's all I had as evidence after the fact because I never went up and said anything to him. But then years later, I did meet him at a convention and we talked about did the you... Rangers a little bit. And yeah, go the, ahead. The baseball team? Yeah, because he was here in Dallas. Like oh, okay. he was at a convention here um, in Dallas. And uh, I was really lucky because I got to be at the front of the line. And I was one of the first people he talked to. And he was like, oh, I like the Rangers. I think he was just trying to be like, talk to something, you know, talk about something. And then we took a, it was, uh, I was in, also in line to get a picture with him. So I think I met him for an autograph and a picture, or maybe it was just the picture. I think it was just the picture, actually. And when I took the picture with him, in my mind, it felt like a picture where you're like hugging your grandpa, like he just gave me a big old hug. Although now when I look at the picture, it doesn't look quite like my memory of it. I mean, it's fine. It's it's a good picture. But it seemed like a much deeper hug than I remembered. <laughs> or it seemed like a less of a deep <laughs> hug than I, I embellished it in my mind over the years. But what's kind of funny about that day, too, is another friend saw him a little bit later. And um, she felt that he was rude and he rushed her. And then her dad goes, well, honey, he's old. <laughs> But I was like, I don't know. He was lovely to me, but maybe it was towards the end of the day. I don't know. Which is which is very possible. I mean, he's or only human. Like, <laughs> yeah. Also, like maybe the handlers are like trying to like get him to move along. It's sometimes it's weird about when you when you meet people in a convention setting. Yeah, there's it's hot. It's a long line. Like yeah. I had a friend one time that made a comment. Um, she watched that documentary about Conan who was kind of like, it was right after he lost, um, you know, the tonight show, um, to Jay Leno, you know, decided to come back instead of pass on the show. I think it was the tonight show, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he was really upset obviously, but he also went on this like tour and he like that involved doing a lot of autographs. And this friend was like, man, I couldn't believe like how horrible that was for poor Conan and like having to sign all those autographs and like those creepy fans. And I'm sitting here getting like offended <laughs> because I've been to so many conventions and collected so many autographs. Um, right. But I think it's because like, you know, it, it, I think it depends on the person, right? Like if they want to do that or if that's a source of income for them or not like that that was like a really specific moment in time for conan when he's going through something difficult and also could have been colored by the perception of the person filming him but i've had almost nothing but good interactions so to me like you know collecting autographs yeah. and doing that kind of stuff has always been really fun and the actors have always been for the most part pretty lovely yeah i can never say i've had a bad interaction although i always I always like worry about making small talk. Like, and it's, it's me as a person. Like, I don't, I'm not an outgoing person. Same. So, like, so, like, meeting, like, meeting a stranger, even though I, you know, even though theoretically you, you kind of know them from their roles in that, I, I have a hard time just like even starting up a small conversation. Um, I know when I met, when I met uh, William Daniels, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, um, he didn't say much because it was towards the end of the day on like the third day of a three day convention. Oh, gosh, that's and brutal. Been, yeah. And he, you know, he's older and he was already under the weather, uh, but he was there with his wife 
and we had just covered for the podcast for Academy Rewind a movie that he was in in like 1950s that oh, wow. got nominated. And I was like, oh, you know, I really enjoyed you in this movie. Uh, and I, I told him, I was like, you know, I've been going through these Best Picture nominees and, you know, I really enjoyed you in this movie. And it was nice to see you, you know, in, in something that that I would never have seen you in prior. Like it's a, it's like it's a glimpse of back when you were, you know, and I didn't say all this to him, but it was like a glimpse of back when he was younger Yeah. And kind of, you know, it was one of his first roles, I think. And his wife, you know, he, he smiled and nodded and his wife was like, Oh, that is such a good movie. Aww. And, you know, so that was nice. And I was like, all right, here, sign the 1776 thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I had a similar experience when I met Will Wheaton, actually. Will Wheaton. Um, he, it was kind of before he was on Big Bang Theory and all that. It was like before he was like back in like the public eye a lot. And he was kind of just at Star Trek conventions. I was probably. So when people were still hating him. Pretty much. Um, it was like when I was, I think I was like. 16 or so but it, so it was after tng i believe and so he was like in this weird in-between period where he wasn't really like popular in like pop culture again and really he just had star trek for the most part and i waited in line and i was like i'm not going to say that we were the same age but i was like closer to him in age than say some of the other actors in star trek and i remember getting up there and telling him like hey i really like you in star trek uh, but yeah, if people don't remember here's this, probably, um, yeah, here's my number. No, I was like 16, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he was Wesley Crusher and that wasn't always a favorite character for everyone. Uh, some people thought of that character as annoying and stuff like that. So I kind of sense that that might not, I mean, he's there cause he's Wesley Crusher, but I wanted to bring up something else and I really love stand by me and he's the lead in that movie. Um, which I feel like is something people kind of forget about. And so I was like, hey, you know, I really love your role in Star Trek. You were great. But I really loved you in Stand By Me. And he got so excited. He came around and hugged me from the desk. He was like, yay. <laughs> Thank you. You know, now he's in like tons of stuff. But anyway, that was such a po another really positive interaction. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, and, and you know, to, to give actors an out to, like you said, sometimes three days at a con, it's hot. Hey, cosplayers get tired. I like to cosplay. By the third day at a con, yeah. I'm about ready to just pass out. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not comparing myself in terms of getting attention. I just mean in general, third day of a convention is exhausting <laughs> for everyone. Right. And, and also, like, you know, you might be, and I don't mean like you. I know, you know, you're normal-ish. But, like, <laughs> normal you might think, like... ish being the, you almost made me spit out my water. <laughs> but... <laughs> But like, the, you know, yeah, going to these part. things, you might think of like, well, you know, I'm pretty normal and down to earth. And you might be, but <laughs> there are there are a lot of people out there who are not. You know, it takes and sometimes all types. Fall the like sometimes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, it's just a matter of like being unaware of how you are in public or whatever. So like, <laughs> I can't imagine so. like these, I can't imagine like all the types of people that these actors and that talk to and meet yeah and that's can, not normally part of their job is one-on-one -on -one 
talking to every single fan. Like, this is kind of like a only happens here sort of thing. I mean, sure, they get recognized and stuff, but this is intense, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I miss the Star Trek convention days of (laughs) creation entertainment. Yeah, the last one I went to was a creation entertainment. I mean, they're still around, so... They still Are they? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I went they, to an anniversary they, one, but it it wasn't super well attended, and it was one of those things where I went and saw tons of people all weekend, and it was like the first time that my husband went to a Star Trek convention, so you know I was really and nervous. You're still together, yeah. Yeah, I was really nervous how that was going to go, but he actually had a really good time. Um, my friend Kara, who's been on the show a bunch of stuff, borderline harassed Lavar Burton at a bar. Um, that's a story for another nice. time. <laughs> I think she. Uh, she came up and talked to him. She didn't really harass him, but she came up and talked to him. And then she came back and was like, I don't think that went well. <laughs> so we joke about it to this day. Um, but like, uh, she just like throw stuff at him. Read me a book. No, but we'd had a couple at the bar before she approached oh, him. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know what was said. So I can't comment <laughs> on that. Um, uh, but, but yeah, like, uh, he actually had a really good time. But when I came back from the con, I told people about it. They were like, I didn't even know that was happening. I wish someone had told, you know, I wish that had been more uh, marketed because I didn't even know. I'm like, yeah, I just basically spent the whole weekend with a ton of people yeah. from Star Trek. It was pretty fun. The the last I knew, they still, like, they do some targeted shows. Like, I believe they've done, like, a Supernatural. A lot one. of Supernatural. Um, yeah, they I would were supposed say they to lean do a Twilight into... one, but that never materialized, unfortunately. I think those people got too famous. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, like, the last I knew, they were still doing, like, two big Star Trek ones a year. Yeah, they probably do the and one in Vegas. Just... I think they do because I, yeah, I get emails about there's it. The, yeah, there's the giant reunion one in Vegas that's kind of like the Star Wars celebration version of it. Uh, and then I don't know if, well, obviously now I don't think they do anymore, but they were still doing, like, the cruise, too. Oh, yeah. I feel like the cruise is probably really fun for the actors because they also get a cruise out of it. (laughs) God love the actors that sign up for that. I know. That's trapped on a boat with the crazies crazies being me. (laughs) Yeah, like you you have nowhere to go. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm not not a cruise person. Um, Could be the germaphobe in me. I don't know. But I just, it's not something that I want to do but a star trek one i could be tempted to but anyway yeah, we've I, gotten off the rails here haven't we <laughs> yeah we really we, we've really gone yep nope we're gone <laughs> so back to this um i think yep. uh are, are we sort of at the do you want me to ask you the last couple of questions or was there more that you wanted to uh, explore i mean unless you want to help me figure out a way to uh, to start up a Interstate 60 um, convention. Oh, okay. You, can, you know. Well, you know, conventions well, are a lot of work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to meet Amy Jo Johnson, really. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I feel like that you could do without starting a whole convention because she's probably already at one. She was at Rhode Island a couple of years ago, but I worked the show, so I couldn't go oh, see her. Oh, dang. And I was sad. Uh, that's yep. that's a, that's probably a tough part about your profession is you probably do work some conventions. Some, it's usually easy to find time to slip away. Like I went to New York a couple of years ago, and like I went and stood in line to try and um, 
see Margot Robbie for like an hour, but oh, nice. It, it no, it did it didn't work out. Oh, but dang. <laughs> I have some well, really then... nice pictures of the cast of Birds of Prey from far away. So <laughs> great. Sounds like that my, my Comic Con experience. Every time I open it. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So this brings me to my last couple of questions for you at the end of the show. Uh, what, if you had to summarize it, I know we've been talking about this and Star Trek for some reason, um, but uh, if you had to summarize, why why do you keep coming back to this movie? Why did you watch it three times in the past two days? Well, one, I wanted to make sure like I had a fresh memory of it because my mm-hmm. memory is not good usually ever. Uh, You're watching too, too many movies. That's what it is. <laughs> it's really what it is. Sometimes it, oh, it really is. So, but the reason I would watch it like three times is just because I remember like it's. I find it. I find it really funny and such a breezy movie. Like it's. It's about two hours. So you would think that it can get a little long, but it never feels it. And it reminds me enough. It has the it has the humor of Back to the Future that I really like, and I like the episodic nature of it. It makes mm-hmm. it very easy. Like if you don't have time for the full movie, you can kind of pause it and come back to it gotcha. without having to worry about like forgetting stuff. And I guess you kind of said this already, but how how do you pitch this to someone that hasn't seen the movie before? Uh. A comedic version of Twilight Zone. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, Palmer, thank you so much for coming back to the show, and thank you for choosing this movie. I I can't wait to have you back again and for you to pick another movie, but before you go, uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, you can uh, listen to me more, uh, argue with my friend Tim on Academy Rewind. <laughs> Where he will break down Best Picture nominees in exquisite detail, and I'll just tell him he's wrong and how I hate the movie, (laughs) which is usually how most of it goes. Uh, And then you can also follow me at Academy Rewind on Twitter. Great. Well, thank you again, and hope to have you back soon. Thank you very much. You have a good night. 